Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me for another edition of the Bob Sullivan Show. Today I have on with me from pickandroll.com.au, Daryl Wilson. How are you doing today, Daryl? I'm doing fabulous, Bob. Fabulous. And yourself? Uh, pretty crappy. Uh, it's a <laughs> high of four degrees here in Omaha, so it, it's not great. Yeah, it, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, this uh, yeah this weather this morning it was like negative seven or eight. The wind chill like negative twenty three, and then when I got outside in the afternoon, it was four degrees, and it felt great. Look, last week, last week out here in uh, L.A., we had a, a cold front, right? And the cold front for L.A. is 35 degrees. So it was like cold, 35 degrees, and we were out here just crying, like, oh, my God, it's cold. I will die at four degrees. <laughs> I, I I really despise you guys out there, like you, uh, Jabari Davis, Jameson Welsh, uh, and occasionally EJ Christian. You guys all live in warm weather cities, L.A., Vegas, Miami. And occasionally I'll see a tweet bitching about 65-degree weather in January and all. I just want to send a go-to-hell tweet to one of you guys, and it's, especially when it's like five degrees here. I went to, uh, I went to Michigan one time. And it was it wasn't snowing, but it was like twenty eight degrees, and people walk around wearing shorts. I'm like, what the f is this? I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it, man. I I actually saw a woman who should probably have her children taken away if she has more than one, but she had a son who is no more than twelve years old walking around in a shirt and a t shirt and shorts today. And I I wanted to say something. I was a little too tired to say anything, but I I kept my comment to myself. And yeah, she should have her child services should be knocking on her door any second here. That's that's incredible stuff right there, man. I couldn't even fathom that idea. Hey, so more more power to you, man. So more power to you, man. I hope I hope the best. I hope the weather gets better for you. I know the electricity bill has to be high. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of space heater. This is space heater country. You know those commercials for Amish, those Amish fireplaces. Those are big <laughs> around here. Uh, but the I Amish, the I'm Amish kidding. don't know. The Amish don't know they're big around here because they don't have the internet or TV. I can't. Say. <laughs> That's true. I can't say I've never seen those Amish. Uh, those Amish. Uh, Peter commercials or fireplace commercials at all, man. I can't say I've seen them out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that might be two things that we we differ on from our part of the country. I, I see Amish uh, on the regular on a regular basis when I go down to Missouri, and then uh, also single degree weather. You don't have that in L.A. and you don't have the Amish out in L.A. yet. Not not at all, and. I'm blessed. I'm blessed about the first one, but don't have any opinions on the second one. I've never seen the Amish person before, but I'm sure. I'm sure it'd be fun to hang around. You know, take a couple of shots with one of them. Who wants to? Who wants to step into modern time? You know. You know what's not entertaining is when they're holding up traffic on a highway and they're 
with their horse and buggy. That is not cool. Is that I, I admire them for, yeah, they actually, you know, have their horse and carriage walking down, you know, going down a highway. You have to pass them. I mean, there's no, uh, there's no other option. I didn't know. I didn't know that was a real thing. Oh yeah, yeah. It, sadly, it is. <laughs> uh, so, but so like anyway, zero technology. Absolutely zero technology. Zero. Absolutely zero. But, wow. <laughs> um, but to technology, uh, we found out through technology that uh, J.R. Smith, Amon Shumpert, or to the Cavs, uh, the Knicks get. Alex Kirk and uh, Lance Thomas in a draft pick, and Deion Waiters goes to the Thunder. Uh, do you think who, who do you think is the big winner in this trade, or do you think there is a winner? Um, you know that's that's difficult to say. According just the way I look at it, I think Oklahoma City would be the main winner out of it. Um, Deion Waiters was in a position in Cleveland where they had an environment around him that was conducive to his playing style. Um, he First of all, he didn't respect Kyrie Irving at all. You know, he punched out Kyrie Irving in practice. You know, he thinks he's a better player than Kyrie Irving. They kind of play the same position. They're both combo guards, you know. Uh, neither of them are point guards. Kyrie certainly isn't a true point guard. Then LeBron comes in and takes over, and that's left shots for Deion Waiters. But in Oklahoma City, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, the penultimate good guy in the NBA is already making statements saying, oh, I don't think that Deion Waiters was loved enough in Cleveland. Like, they didn't show him that he was wanted. So if they act like, you know, if he plays a role like James Harden did in the past where he just came off the bench and got buckets for him, uh, they could definitely be the winner. Now, I'm not comparing um, – his game to James Harden is all at all. He's not nearly as good as a player as James Harden was, but you know he's a very talented basketball player that could come in and put in a lot of work for that team off the bench. With, with Dion. Oh, <laughs> oh, go ahead. No, the the Knicks. Um, that for them it was basically a salary cap dump. You know they just dumped yeah. uh, J.R. Smith salary. And Iman Shumpert's salary. I don't think they really wanted to get rid of Iman Shumpert, but having to let go of him was the only way that Cleveland was going to take J.R. Smith from them. Well, I've been saying that for since the beginning, and actually since the off season, is you know one of the number one things the Knicks wanted to do is get rid of J.R. Smith, and the only way to do that was you were going to have to throw Iman Shumpert into that mix, and yeah, that's a peak. That's He's a good player, good defensively on the perimeter. He's getting better offensively. But, I mean, he had that knee injury. He's, had, he's got a separated shoulder. He's had injury issues. So, I, you know, and already with how much they've paid Melo and he's already a little banged up early on in this contract, I don't think you want to give, you know, an extension to Monshumpert that quickly. And I'm not really opposed to, you know, dumping him just to get rid of Jr. I think getting Jr. getting rid of Jr. sacrificing Amon Shumpert was worth it long term. I'll tell you this though, for the Cleveland Cavs, if Iman Shumpert is healthy, that could be a big plus for them because he is an excellent perimeter defender, 
And he wouldn't have to do much in Cleveland at all, except for, you know, go in and do the little dirty work on defense, you know, help, you know, pass the ball around, set a couple of screens, and knock down a couple of open jump shots on offense because he's basically going to be like the fourth or fifth option uh, in Cleveland. So, you know, Cleveland is a team that certainly is underperforming. You know, I'm not sure if they're underperforming more than the Knicks are underperforming at the moment, but, you know, they're they're in trouble because they got rid of all these different draft picks. They, I think they I read a I read a tweet today saying over the last six months Cleveland has got rid of nine draft picks already. So yeah. if Kevin Love if Kevin Love bolts at the end of the season and doesn't come back and LeBron decides that he wants to bolt and doesn't come back, Cleveland is completely assed out, like worse in a worse position than they were before. Because at least before. They had Kyrie Irving and a whole bunch of draft picks, but now they'll just end up with Kyrie Irving and nobody. Yeah. Well, and it's funny with Cle- – well, Iman Shumpert is kind of like – this age is kind of like Doug Christie. And, you know, a good perimeter defender. He, You know, if, if he could be like a Doug Christie for them, you know, go up against a – you know, him and Jimmy Butler, yeah, I mean, he – Jimmy Butler is better defensively, but Mon Shumpert, I'd say, is more athletic. If he can guard Butler in the playoffs uh, or guard a Bradley Beal in the playoffs, that that's huge because they didn't have that before. And, you know, J.R. Smith, yeah, yeah, he's a pill. But off the bench, I kind of I, I could see him having not a rejuvenation, but I, I think they could mask his issues. And the funny thing with Waiters and Kyrie, they were supposed to be what, okay, maybe not to the Splash Brothers with, uh, you know, how good they are right now. They, they were supposed to be that type of backcourt, like one of the best backcourts in the league by this point. And, both you know, it just blew though. up in their face. Both yeah, of both of them are very selfish. That's a, that's a problem. That's yeah, that's a, that's that's clear a huge contrast. problem. Yeah, that's clear contrast to what the Splash Brothers are. Because you, you look at a guy like Stephen Curry, Stephen Curry could take 20 to 23 shots a game if he wanted to, and nobody would have bat an eye because he's such a good guy, and he's one of the deadliest shooters in the league, but he doesn't. You know, he passes the ball around to his teammates, and he, over the last three years, Stephen Curry has learned how to play the point guard position like, very, very well. Before, he was just a point guard by name because of his size, and he had good ball handling skills. But this guy, like, he knows how to read a defense and set up his teammates. Now, um, he pretty much is, you know, in my opinion, as of right now, the best point guard in the league. And that's something, you know, that, you know, Kyrie Irving, um, he'll never he'll never obtain that status. To me, in my opinion, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm sort of a Kyrie Irving hater, but I'll tell you the truth is he doesn't play any defense and he doesn't set his teammates up. And he's very selfish and he doesn't perform in the clutch. And um yeah. <laughs> how, well how much how much of a problem do you think it is for Cleveland? Like with Miami, you know, maybe Bosch and LeBron weren't the best of friends, didn't get along all the time. But Wade was able to have a relationship with both of them and make it work. You know, there was never really a relationship with Love and LeBron or LeBron and Kyrie. You know, they played, you know, an all-star game together and 
on Team USA at one point with Love and LeBron, but, you know, there's not really that bond between any of those three, and all three seem to be on their own planet at times when they're playing. Do you see that com- them coming together at all this year? And, you know, how much more time do you – like, with at this the, trade now, how day, long do you think it takes the, them to gel? At the end of the day, I think the talent talent will come through. You know, I think the talent will come through and and they will win out. The problem with that team necessarily isn't the chemistry. It is a problem, but it wasn't the problem. The problem with the team, um, they supposedly have tried to address within the last two trades. The first one would be that getting Iman Shepard that we just spoke about. But the other one was the trade that they made um, just a couple hours ago when they acquired Timothy Mozgov, um, the Denver Nuggets, for two first-round draft picks. Now, they piled up a whole bunch of draft picks. Now they got Timothy Mozgov, and he's a roof protector. When Anderson Varejao went out with that knee injury early in the year, things were spiraled downward for Cleveland. Cleveland was an off-and-on team. They would go on a two-game, three-game losing streak. Then they'll run off four in a row. Then they lose one. Then they'll run off four in a row again. But ever since Anderson Varejao went down, all of a sudden, like, teams are just scoring on them at will. They're not getting rebounds. They're not blocking shots. They're not doing anything. So, hopefully for Cleveland fans, uh, Timothy Moskov will be, you know, not the answer, but he will definitely help them out a little bit. The chemistry, you know, all that stuff will come through during the end. I don't think that they're going to be top four in the Eastern Conference, but maybe by the playoff time. You know, who knows what could happen with that team. Do you, do you see I, – I have problems seeing them making the conference finals, honestly. I mean, I, 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 I still think, you know, Miami is kind of, you know, still kind of a uh, wild card in the East. Um, I think it's just a matter of them getting to the playoffs. And I, I still see them possibly making a trade at some point. Riley can do – Riley will do something at some point during the – before the trade deadline that will – Nobody will see coming. Something will happen down Bob, there. Bob, there's a couple of things that you just said that I, I can address. The, the first one I'm, I'm going to say is, you know, regarding them making the Eastern Conference finals, I mean, it's the Eastern Conference. Anything could happen. I don't you know. There's a lot of feel-good stories that are going on right now in the Eastern Conference. You know, the Washington Wizards, the Atlanta Hawks, the Toronto Raptors. But neither of those teams, you know, have – uh, that competitive moxie, you know, they don't have that it factor, the experience to to get to really really get over the hump. The main threat in the Eastern Conference for Cleveland or for any Eastern Conference team is the Chicago Bulls. And in my opinion, the Chicago Bulls, it's their it's their title to lose as far as uh, Eastern Conference supremacy. Like they have it all, even if. They're even built in such a manner right now that even if Derrick Rose uh, gets injured again at the end of the year, they'll still be able to compete because Jimmy Butler is is likely hands down the most improved player in the NBA this year. And he his name is actually being brought up in MVP conversation. You know, he's averaging over 20 points a game, and he's playing some lockdown defense. Now they got Paul Gasol, who is having – pretty much another career year, you know, and what goes with Joe Noah, that's the team to beat. 
So as far as all those other teams, I wouldn't really too much worry about them. Yeah, they're good to talk about right now in the regular season. The Everybody's talking about the Atlanta Hawks on a six-game um, winning streak or whatnot, and they're running through the West Coast teams. But the Chicago Bulls are the team to beat. Now, I talk about Miami. I don't think Miami's going to make the playoffs. I think what, they're in, what, the eighth position right now at 15 and 20 or something like that? Yeah. I think, it's, I think yeah. the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons are on the come up right now. You know, it, it's crazy. Uh, I'm, so, uh, I'm saying the Orlando Magic. <laughs> oh, no, it might, it might be uh, Orlando Magic. But the Detroit Pistons can't seem to lose ever since they got rid of Josh Smith. You know, they had the shocking move of the NBA season when they outright released Josh Smith. And he was the highest-paid player on that team. Josh Smith signed a, what, $55 million, four-year, $44 million contract or something like that, and they outright released him. Now, they still have to pay this man all this money, but they just decided to just cut all ties with him. And ever since they cut ties with him, they've been, they're six to no. And they had a comeback win last night versus the defending champion, San Antonio Spurs. After being down 18 points, they came back and beat that team. They came back and beat that team. That was a very impressive victory. I just think Detroit yeah. Pistons are, are a team to look out for. Other teams in the Eastern Conference should look out for the Detroit Pistons. They're, uh, they have a talented roster, a very, very talented roster. And it just bewildered me for the most of the season and for the last season how come they weren't performing. And it seems that they found that chemistry and they found that mix right now that works for them. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I mean you look at the uh, yeah the Pistons, you know they've made two over the last what eight nine years, eight, uh, I guess seven or eight years. They had that one off season that brought in Ben Gordon, Charlie Villanueva. That was a disaster. Then the next that the next time they had money, they went after Brandon Jennings and Josh Smith, and that started off as a disaster. And now they cut Josh Smith, and it just kind of just started to take off a little bit. I mean, it's six games, but they went from being, what, like second or third worst team in the East? Now they're like they're within like a game and a half, two games of, or I guess three games of the eighth seed. It's like, what the, you know, that's how funny the Eastern Conference is. And then in the West, you could be like the number one seed right now, lose two or three games in a row, and be like the eighth seed. That's how deep right. the West is and how bad the East is. Exactly, exactly. And you know, maybe maybe this talk of realignment, you know, needs to be brought up in the end game meeting. But until then, you know, we get to enjoy you know all these trashy Eastern Conference teams making the playoffs, and these good Western Conference teams sitting home on the couch and whining about it. So that's. That's the stage that we're at right now, you know. So I, I don't know, man. I, I really think, I really think, if Detroit can somehow get to a 500 record, I mean, it's a long shot. It, it is a long shot right now. If they could get to a 500 record, we have to talk about Stan Van Gundy possibly being executive of the year just for making that move alone. Because, you know, they brought him on over the summer, and, you know, Josh Smith wasn't his guy. So he said, just screw it all. Like, I don't care how we're paying him. Like, this isn't working out. So he was – Josh Smith was making him look real bad. 
The Steelers looked real bad. They were 5-23. I, I think Stan Van Gundy's whole thing was a way – the reason he cut Josh, Josh Smith was a way to get back at Dwight Howard because now Smith is it with Houston. Houston struggled a little bit with Josh Smith. I think it was just, you know – one of Stan Van Gundy's little uh, passive-aggressive moves <laughs> to get back at Dwight Howard. Uh, I don't know. Maybe so. You know, Stan Van Gundy has to be Nostradamus. I'm not sure if he actually saw that one coming. But it, it is interesting, <laughs> though. You put Josh Smith uh, on Houston, and all of a sudden, you know, they're a shaky team. But Houston had to make a move, though. They had to make a move because they were injured at that power forward position. And um, Dwight Howard has been off and on with his injuries. So, you know, the guy that I feel bad for in this whole thing is, uh, is Kevin McHale. I don't know if that was the right move to him, but he did that just to make yeah. Dwight Howard happy. No, I think uh, I think the Sixers, if they really, truly want that first, the best shot at a uh, number one overall pick, they should have brought in Josh Smith, but that's his news. Uh, <laughs> It, you look at uh, like with the move. Well, with the move for Dallas getting Rajon Rondo, you know, I mean that just makes him a little bit better. Getting rid of Brandon Wright, uh, you, you know, he, he's going to be a nice player. Uh, I think he's a nice fit for Boston with uh, Solinger and uh, Kelly Olynyk. But looking at Dallas right now, uh, my favorite going into the season before. Westbrook and Durant got injured. I, I had the Thunder going to the finals against the Bulls. I'm starting to tweak that pick. I think I'm going to go Dallas right now. I just like the fit of Rondo. He's rejuvenated. He he wants to play defense now. Uh, he doesn't have to be the number one guy, which is not something he should be, which he was in uh, Boston the last couple of years. And you know, just the depth of this team. I mean, Charlie Villanueva is, what, like the 12th, 13th man? But they're pretty deep. And I think they were the only team that gave the Spurs a run last year in the playoffs. I, I, I just feel like Dallas is my new favorite to win the West. Um, I wouldn't – I would not disagree. I would not disagree with that. Although, like we had mentioned before, there are some tough, tough teams out west. The only problem that – I have with the way Dallas is constructed right now, and you just mentioned Brandon Wright, is Tyson Chandler is going to have to play some heavy, heavy minutes for that team, especially when it comes to being in the playoffs. So Tyson Chandler is the key to that team being successful right now because of what he brings on the defensive end and, and rebounding and, you know, the things that don't show up in the scoreboard like you know, all the all the um, the screens that he sets for their shooters, the screens that he sets for Monte Ellis, you know, to come off the wing and attack the basket, and for Dirk Nowitzki, you know, to step out and get that open shot. Tyson Chandler is the key. Now they really don't have anybody, you know, behind Tyson Chandler. The moves that they could make is. I'm not sure if the Knicks waived Samuel Dallenberg yet, but there's been discussion about the Knicks waving Samuel Dallenberg. If they waive yeah. him, I'm pretty sure that Mark Cuban will make a run to bring Dallenberg back uh, to Dallas as he was there before. Now that could help them out and you know lead them to the top of the Western Conference. But 
they sure as hell have to go through Portland and and Oklahoma City and definitely Golden State, who we really haven't even mentioned yet outside of talking about Stephen Curry. Golden State, what Steve Curry is doing with that team is, you know, nothing short of amazing. They're actually like the best defensive team uh, when you talk about points per possession um, in the NBA right now. And, you know, that team is playing defense, you know, I mean, do you, do you think they're the second? Team. Do you think they're do you who do you think the second best coach in the West is right now, behind Popovich? Man, that's a that's a that's a very good question. I actually think Rick Carlisle and Dallas. Is the I I, coach. I think the same thing, and I think that's why Dallas is the like like. I, I kind of think that's part of the reason why Oklahoma City's had trouble with the Spurs at at certain times and even against uh, Memphis at times is I don't, I don't think Brooks is that great a coach. I, I would say maybe uh, I, I would have to say Carlisle. I mean, just his body of work is so much better than pretty much third, which would probably be maybe uh, what's his name? Uh, Dave Yeager from uh, Memphis. Right. I was going to mention Yeager as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Carlisle, Carlisle is uh, is amazing when it comes to um, transforming transforming players and and making them use the best of their play to the best of their ability. Like what he's done with Monte Ellis, he's completely changed the perception of Monte Ellis around the league. Monte Ellis used to be just a gunner come down who pull up a three and just attack the basket. Now Monte Ellis is one of the more efficient guards in the NBA, and it's very good that he got a, he got somebody like Ray Rondo on the team where he doesn't have to actually set up the offense anymore. So Rondo could come down and set up the offense, pass the all, like Rondo could pass to all those guys and put them in position to succeed. Dallas was the number one team as far as offensive rating goes in the NBA. Now, they got rid of who was arguably – the worst point guard, the worst starting point guard in the Western Conference, and I say arguably because, you know, Lakers probably have the worst point guard in the Western Conference, but Amir Nelson of all the competing teams was the worst point guard in essence in the Western Conference. Now they got the best assist man. They replaced him with the best assist man in the entire league. And and he's one of the best defenders at the point guard position, they should definitely ascend to the top. But it's all going to come down to the workload on Tyson Chandler and perimeter defending for Dallas. Looking at the uh, Clippers, you know, they uh, – actually, I guess Doc Rivers could probably be second, but I, I still – I kind of think he's a tad overrated uh, as a coach. Not not a popular opinion, but just just a tad overrated, um, and that's pretty much that pretty much goes for that pretty much goes for anybody to, that comes out of Boston. How many people listen to your show, Bob? I mean, yeah. I don't want I don't want I don't want Doc Rivers to listen to this because I see Doc Rivers quite often when I'm at the Staples Center now um, because I've been covering the Lakers and Clippers, um, and I've gained a little bit of locker room access. Um, this season, so I don't want Doc to hear me say anything bad about him. But I don't. I think he's a very, very good manager. Doc yeah. Rivers is an excellent manager, and 
he could take a young team full of potential and make them a contender like he did uh, with Orlando, or he could take a whole bunch of uh, inspired stars who love playing with each other and turn them into a winner like he did in Boston. The window, the window for the Clippers and Doc Rivers, I think, you know, has closed. Over the past two seasons, I think they had their best chance to win the Western Conference and, and make it to the NBA Finals. But now um, I, I see a lot of chemistry issues with, with the L.A. Clippers. Um, Chris Paul no longer is being talked about as the point God. So, you know, you used, to, you used to see that in social media all the time, like Chris Paul isn't a point guard, he's a point God. You know, you don't hear any of that anymore, do you? No, no, no. I mean, there's questions as to whether he's even a top five point guard right now. Right, right, that's what I'm saying. So the reason that they were good in the first place was that whole uh, veto deal that, you know, instead of him going to the Lakers, he ended up going to the Clippers. And Chris Paul was the reason that the Clippers were good. Now, if he's not the best guy on the court you know, at that position every single night, you know, this team this team is going to struggle. And he's frustrated right now. He's frustrated with what's going on in, in L.A. Well, and he has, to, he has to change his style a little bit and be more selfish. If he's the most selfless player, you know, he has to be more selfish and get his buckets. Because he's lost a step on defense, and he's lost a step on offense, but he is, hands down, still the most intelligent uh, guy playing the point guard position. He'll beat you with his smarts and know-how rather than his physical ability. Now, Doc Rivers, I think Doc Rivers, the GM, is doing Doc Rivers, the coach, a very disservice. Yeah. Well, I look at the Clippers, and they're – you know, they're a solid team, but who do you go to down the stretch? I mean, I, I'm just, you, I mean, Chris Paul, it's not ideal to have a six-foot guy be your, you know, guy to get, you know, a shot late in the game. And they don't have a wing guy. You know, J.J. Reddick's efficient this year, but he's top ten in efficiency. But, I mean, you look around, like, they just don't have a – and there's really not a trade you can make to get a wing, you know, they, they need kind of a wing guy to get a shot late in the game, and they really don't have that. It's, I mean, if uh, it's too bad, like, Danny Granger it, it was a shell of himself that he didn't end up, I mean, he could have been that guy if he would have, you know, could have recovered from his knee injury. He hasn't, and if they could have kept him around, but he, he he's a shell of himself. They, they haven't been able to find that wing guy and Blake Griffin, I, I don't see him being a guy that can get you a last-second shot. I mean, power four is not an ideal position late in the game to get a shot like that. And offensively, well, they, they just – I mean, there's just – offensively, it's just like Jamal Crawford at times. You, you just got to pray for the best there. can, depending on how they use um, Blake Griffin, because he certainly is a, a talented player. I think he's taken a step back from the season that he had last year. Last year, I believe he was what third in the MVP voting um, last season. He's taken a little step back. He's only averaging seven rebounds a game right now. He has to do better in that department. 
But there are teams that use the power forward. Like, for instance, San Antonio, um, Tim Duncan often gets the last shot. Um, in Memphis, you got Gasol and Zach Randolph. They get the ball in their hands when it comes to uh, crunch time and having to make plays at the end of the game. So Blake Griffin certainly could be that guy. What the Clippers do, Clippers actually run the offensive play with Chris Ball and in hopes one of his wing guys gets open or Chris Ball takes that shot himself. So I don't know, there has been discussion about, you know, Jamal Crawford being traded for a different wing player or whatnot. I just don't see that happening. Um, they say, all talk from the Clippers front office say that it's not going to happen. But who knows? They definitely need to do something. Jamal Crawford has fell off a little bit as well. Pretty much everybody, everybody on that team has taken a step back except for DeAndre Jordan, um, who's an absolute terror right now uh, on the glass and on defense. DeAndre Jordan and J.J. Reddick have gotten better, but they were pretty much like the fourth and fifth guys that you expect to be better on that team. And the guys that are leading that team, they have all taken a step back, all of them. Uh, what is the next big trade to be made? Or do you think there is another big trade to be made? Oh, there's definitely, there's definitely, um, something, something out there. Uh, you know what? That's a, that's a... Lance Stevenson, maybe? Oh, man. I don't know who would trade for Lance right now, but the Denver Nuggets... the Denver Nuggets. Would you would you trade for would you trade for Lance if you're the Clippers? Oh, that is oh my goodness, he would wreck that locker room <laughs> completely. <laughs> <laughs> I would love I would love to see that happen. Actually, well you're you're over here you're you're over here slobbering all over Doc, Doc Rivers about being a manager. If he could, you know. If he could manage, uh, you know that team, the team that won it with Sam Cassell and uh, you know Rajon Rondo and all those guys, Rasheed Wallace getting Rasheed Wallace to the finals. He's not. He's not a fit on the team. But like those guys, those guys that he managed, they were like he'd have to manage their emotions. He'd have to manage. He'd have to manage their personality. He just had to manage their skill set. And, and their chemistry on the court. Like, those guys in Boston really didn't have any chemistry problems. Like, Phil Jackson's probably the only person that could uh, that could deal with God's emotional issues and fix them. But, unfortunately, he's not the coach of the New York Knicks right now, so he can't manage anybody's emotions you know, from wearing a president hat. So, last season, last season was completely wrecked the Clippers locker room. Because, for one, he needs to have the ball in his hand. And you no, know, you, if you take the ball out of Chris Paul's hand, no, he's completely useless. So Lance Stevenson wouldn't work. But I, I would say Boston and Denver have more assets on their team that could be up for trade than anybody in this league right now. And you know, Denver already you know dropped one of their dominoes today when they traded Moskov. They have so many other guys that they could trade. I think Denver will probably be the next team to make a trade. Well. Uh... Before I let you go, do you want to tell everybody where we can find you on Twitter, the internets, all over the place? Let's see. You can find me on Twitter at Spitzgame, S-P-I-T-S-G-A-M-E. Um, I do a lot of writing, like you mentioned at the beginning, for the pick and roll, and that's the pick and roll, P 
A-U-S-T-I-C-K-A-N-D-R-O-L-L.com.au.au as in Australia, their Australian-based basketball site. I do the power rankings every single week for the pick and roll, released every Monday. And, you know, I do a lot of different writing for them. You can also catch me on NGSCSports.com where tonight, actually, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 Eastern, I do a show called the NFL West Recess where I talk about the NFL from the West Coast point of view. And, um, yeah, there you have it. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Awesome. No problem. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, enjoy the South uh, Southern California weather, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. I'll yeah, love to have you back. I'll definitely be back, man. There's so much to talk about, man. We haven't even talked about Damon Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers, but we could save that conversation for another time. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be a topic of conversation, you know, for weeks to come, maybe years to come. Who knows? There, there was a little, you know, the the uh, the interest in the Eastern Conference's worst teams was uh, talked about way too much so far. <laughs> Definitely. So, all right, Daryl. I'll talk to you soon, and uh, take it easy. Thank you, brother. Yep. Later.